I've I've got a sad case of foot in mouth. Actually, foot and mouth. Oh. I've got a virtual insanity even worse than Jamiroquai's. To date fight, it's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this very day in history and we pitch them against each other. Yes, we do. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have plucked two toads from the pond of history and are big on amphibians. Yeah, I love an amphibian. We're going to do newts tomorrow, but I'm not sure what newts do. Presumably, they compare well, fronds don't, don't to ne- compete for women. Mm. Women newts, not women. Fronds. That's not. Check out that frond. <laughs> they, they've got frond-like gills. They've got fit, they've got the outward gills, not the inward gills. Mine are inward <laughs> since this conversation yeah. began. Just don't do the endangered ones. <laughs> Round one! I'm going to take you to. Have we explained what it's it is? Fine, doesn't, doesn't matter. It? I'm going to take you to the 19th of February, 1859, in which US Congressman Daniel Sickles is the first person to ever, in a court case, claim to have been temporarily insane. Now, as background, he had married his wife a few years before and not got on with her very well. He had gone on a tour of Europe without her, had taken his lover with him and introduced his lover to Queen Victoria, whom he met on the trip underneath the... using the uh, pseudonym of one of his political opponents. Wow! Yeah, (laughs) he did not care. He was just going around Europe. He really went for it. Yeah. I mean, his lover was a prostitute he'd found in Washington, and he sort of said, why don't you come to Europe with me? Um, I'm going to call you the name of my political opponent, and we're going to meet Queen Victoria. Uh, But when he got back, he found that his wife had also taken a lover, um, and so he gunned down Philip Barton Key in broad daylight on Lafayette Square, opposite the White House. Good Lord. Um, But during his trial, he claimed he'd been temporarily insane. He was driven so wild with envy at finding his wife had taken a a lover, and he was acquitted. Incredible. I I mean... Yeah. Oh, while he was arrested, he was allowed to keep his gun with him and to take visitors while he was in jail. Now, hold on a second there. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't sound very much like arrested. It sounds more like at a friend's house. This is, uh, this is extraordinary. Yeah, that he was the first person that had never been claimed before, and that's the whole reason that that has a uh, it's a legal uh, defence you can make a claim for temporary insanity. Although I'm not sure it still is. But I like, I like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was insane for a minute, but I'm fine now, so I can keep my gun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I'm fine. I got better. <laughs> yeah, I got I've, better. Whoa, oh no, only joking, only joking. Uh, oh, so, your face. <laughs> I've gone insane again. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> like you're holding a plate with an omelette in a funny way. Like, Could happen at any I time. You're all right. Yeah. You're all right. Carry on. Uh, so that's my addition to the legal practice of America: the uh, defence of temporary insanity, which was first used on the 19th of February, 1859, successfully. Oh, I love that you you're you're now doing this whole kind of I rest my case. Yeah. Like at the end of your like you're like, uh, and so we'll all agree. Yeah, mine's the best one. You yeah. haven't heard mine. That's because we know you're going to claim temporary I'm insanity. Only jagging your face. Right, I'm taking you back to the 19th of February 2001. And a five mile exclusion zone is placed around an abattoir in Essex. Oh, Oh, what a way to go. Mm. After a a suspected case of foot and mouth disease is detected. Uh, And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's weird. Haven't had that for 20 years. Mm. Just just 27 pigs. 27 pigs look like Mm. they might have it. 
Hmm. They'd been transported from two farms there, one in Buckinghamshire and one in the Isle of Wight. Well, OK, well, better set up some exclusion zones yep. there as well. All right, all right, kill right, kill all 300 of the animals at the abattoir, OK? Let's let's control the abattoir. Okay, I t- all right, I, t- I, mean, they, I tell you what. They were already at an abattoir. Yeah, so you might as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they were going to read to them, is it? <laughs> they weren't there for any other reason. No, a petting zoo and abattoir. <laughs> Ignore the screams, kids! Ignore the screaming. That's the sound they make them they're happy. Fast forward one year, yep. 2,000 animals diagnosed with foot um. and mouth and 4 million animals in the UK were slaughtered, which, in all honesty, is just not that many. No. 32 chickens a second, guys. Anyway, the disease cost between 800 million and 2.4 billion. Mm-hmm. How can you not... Know? Like... Anyway, and uh, destroyed the livelihood of thousands of farmers. <laughs> what was the end of that sentence going to be? How could well, you not Well, all right, what? if I were to say to you, um, oh, what's your house worth? Yes. And you said, oh, it's worth between, I don't know, 800,000 and 2.4 million pounds? Oh. I'd be like, well, <laughs> you, which? You'd still be way off. I'd still, I'd still, yeah, there's still <laughs> not a chance of me ever owning it, but good for you. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, yes, it did destroy the livelihoods of thousands of farmers. Um, I mm. like to I like to imagine that they've decided to grow lentils, soya, yeah. or herbs. Yes, and uh, tourism was wrecked. And uh, the countryside agency said, "Oh, we think that will cost between I don't know two billion and three billion." <laughs> okay, very good. And uh, they, the Royal Society afterwards said, uh, "You know what? Maybe, maybe the culling." wasn't enough maybe we should vaccinate in future yeah maybe but it costs so much more than a sledgehammer (laughs) so what was the cause of the outbreak why hadn't it been around for 20 years and why did it come back then do we know or was it just uh some guy called gary yeah sneezed um, on a pig he was a mucky he was a mucky mucky boy and he sneezed on a pig he was petting it at an (laughs) avatar that's next door mate (laughs) don't (laughs) jump in the bloody puddles (laughs) I'm going to do the birthdays on that image. Happy birthday to Nicholas Copernicus, whose theory of heliocentrism, uh, that everything revolved around the sun, was utterly uncontroversial when he released it. No one said anything about it. It wasn't until a few years later that the Pope realised and went, no, no, sorry, I was wrong. I didn't read it all the way to the end. I do. You're right. Yes, we should definitely kill people who think that now. But when he first released it, no one one really cared. Um, Happy birthday to Lydia Thompson. She was an English dancer, actress, producer and a burlesque performer into her 70s uh, throughout the Victorian period. Uh, she was head of the British Blondes, who toured America in the 1860s and 70s, uh, and she continued to be a burlesque performer well into old age. Well done, Lydia Thompson. <laughs> her final act was just her trying to pick up a fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my back. oh, my no, back. don't bother, don't. I've gone. Um, <laughs> happy birthday to the musician <laughs> who's dancing. There's so dancing. There's so many you can do, you know. Dancing seven, seven quite heavily soiled hankies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven uh, happy birthday to a musician who doesn't like clubbing. It's Seal. Uh, happy day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, happy Death Day to Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, then claimed for half a century she was not going to write a sequel, and then when the person who'd been caring for her in her old age died, and a new, perhaps less scrupulous person turned up, suddenly they found a manuscript and she was very willing to publish it, despite having shown no interest in having done that before. Uh, that's Harper Lee. <laughs> Happy Death Day to Knut Hampson, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1920. Also became a Nazi later on in the century. Happy Death Day, yeah, to... I've got, that's interesting, I've got a nice tie-in with that. Do you? (laughs) Oh, good. Yep. Well, let's wait and hear that. Um, Happy Death Day to (laughs) Albinus, uh, who I believe you mentioned, uh, with Commodus. Um... Albinus was given the command in Britain at one point. This was the year of five emperors, which we mentioned a couple of times before, when they just kept killing people a lot. Uh, Pertinax made him, gave him command in Britain, but then Albinus slagged him off when he thought no one was listening. Pertinax didn't uh, get bumped off at that point, so then he sold the crown to Didius. Anyway, it's it's Romans. Loads of Romans. Albinus is one of them, um, and he died today. Well done him. I'm going to take you to the 19th of February, 1949. Mm. I want to talk to you about Ezra Pound. Now, I didn't really ah. know much about that. Mm. He worked in London at the uh, beginning of the century as mm-hmm. the foreign editor of several American literary magazines. And he helped to discover yep. and influence the work of T.S. Eliot, James Joyce, Robert Frost, Ernest Hemingway. <coughs> mm-hmm. Then the First World War happened and he lost a lot of faith in Great Britain and... Uh, basically became a fascist. He moved to Italy in 1924 and throughout the 30s and 40s. Mm. He loved Mussolini's fascism. Yeah. Loved him some Adolf Hitler and loved him some Sir Oswald Mosley. I mean, that's that's not really dessert, is it, after Mussolini and Hitler? Mosley's not quite up to that. If you had three courses of fascism coming, you wouldn't serve Mosley as the last course. You'd sort of stick him in the middle, as a... But he's homegrown. He's homegrown. Yeah. It's like sort of sticky toffee pudding of fascists, isn't it? It's something Utterly very, classless. very British. <laughs> Developed in the 70s because we couldn't think of the way to do things properly. Yeah. Something like... Look, my analogy works on some level. So... Um, <laughs> During the Second World War, he was paid by the Italian government to make hundreds of radio broadcasts mm. criticising the United States and Roosevelt and the Jews. Uh. And then he was arrested in 1945 on charges of treason. Scoot forward four years from that to 1949 and mm. he wins the first Bollingham Prize for Poetry hmm. at Yale University. Mm. And it's like, what? That's, that's a fairly say, quick rehabilitation, what, what? isn't it? Say that's what a, now? Just a few years ago, I was really Nazi, but now I'm the best poet there yeah. is. Uh, it was really weird. He ended up, uh, w- when he got done for treason, mm. he was put in a six by six foot outdoor steel cage lit up mm. at night by floodlights. And it was reinforced, his specific one, because he thought the fascists, they thought the fascists would try to break him out. Mm. And he spent three weeks in isolation, sleeping on the concrete and not allowed to exercise or communicate, except for conversations with a chaplain. Mm. How's you? You all right? What have you been up to? Just fascism. Uh, Pacing pacing just under six feet. (laughs) All right. Fortunately, the chaplain was a fascist himself. Yeah, good times. uh... So, uh, yeah, so he went back to being an award winner. Oh, well done him. I mean, that's a real real... um, overcoming hardship story, isn't it? That's a real heartwarming. Uh, Yeah, it's a real uh, rags to riches. It doesn't matter if you're in a six-foot cell being lit up every night and having to pace talking to no one because you're a traitor, uh, you too can be an award-winning poet in a matter of months. <laughs> Just go show, never give up, yeah? Never yeah. give up. Believe in your dreams. You can do it, Ezra. Yeah. Dream big. 
I'm going to go to the 19th of February, 1674. Oh, cool. And the Treaty of Westminster. Now, how many wars would you say in the last 500 years we've had with Holland? I don't know. Two? Have a guess. More? Up? Keep going. Keep going up. Five? Mm, well, perhaps five if you count the Boer War. It's four! We've had four wars with <laughs> Holland, despite the fact that no one remembers the Anglo-Dutch Wars. And this brought was an end to the Third Anglo-Dutch War. Uh, in 1667, in the Second Anglo-Dutch War, the Dutch sailed up the Thames on the Raid of Midway, set fire to most of uh, our fleet, then sailed away our two flagships. Um, we don't talk about that, we tend not to mention any of that, we're too busy talking about, oh, the Great Fire of London and, oh... But, but we, we, we rule the waves, mate. We rule the waves. No one says mm. that Dutch <laughs> Rule the, no one says that. <laughs> the Dutch did rule the waves. Um, the secret treaty of Dover was one that Charles II had made with the French, in which he promised to help the French do everything, but he hadn't told anyone in Parliament that he'd signed this treaty. So when the French declared war on the Dutch in 1674, we had to go to war with them, because, or 1673 rather, we had to go to war with them because Charles II had signed a secret treaty. I'm just, I'm just going to say right now, if I was going to sign a secret treaty, mm-hmm. I would do it in Dover. <laughs> no one's going to come and... No one's going to... You know what I mean? I also wouldn't call it the secret treaty. It's like, come on, mate. <laughs> It's a secret treaty. No, it says secret treaty. Secret secretary. 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 I spill that wrong every time. Uh, um, no one wanted to go to war with the Dutch that time because A, they kept beating us and burning all our ships and taking everything, and uh, B, we didn't have any money left. Uh, in fact, we ran out of money, so Charles II had to sue for peace. But as part of the peace agreement, uh, we got given New Amsterdam, or we got, we got given back New Amsterdam, which the Dutch had taken, um, which we called New York. And New that's York. why New York is English and not Dutch. The Treaty of Westminster in 1674. Um, something I did that's quite interesting about... Um, New York, if you look at the... There's a map, there's a great map in Susan Shulton's book of 100 Maps of America, uh, which is um, of Dutch New Amsterdam, and on it there is a big wall to keep out the Native Americans, which is where Wall Street is now. Wall Street was actually a wall. In the no. Yep. And the battery, of course, was a battery where they kept all their guns and things. But Wall Street is where the wall was, exactly where it was. That's amazing. It's good fun. It's a good book. If you've got... Uh, Su- oh, you're going to win now. Oh, sorry about that. That's so annoying. Susan Chilton's 100 Maps That Made America. It's good to read. Look, I don't think... I'm sorry. I think you're giving yourself a very unfair advantage, mate, by uh, studying books. <laughs> very unfair. <laughs> very unfair. Yeah, very... Uh, yeah. A bit remainery. What are you, an expert? <laughs> right. It's time for us to hand the power over to the people because it always goes so well. Yes, we must. Uh, why don't you vote mm-hmm. on which ones you thought were the best ones? You can go to at date underscore fight on Twitter. Or on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash date fight. And uh, the good news is that this podcast is growing and growing and uh, we'd love to it keep it going, growing. Uh, why don't you tell a friend all about it? And mm. if you're enjoying it, I mean, here we are, what, 105 shows in, something like that. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to show a little bit of support and get your hands on some extra exclusive stuff you can head over to patreon.com slash datefight or one word I think I will I think you oh, no, I... no that would be very counterproductive Nat you'd literally just yeah, be, okay. you'd be paying I 15% yeah. of your money to Patreon <laughs> that's Patreon. a terrible idea okay yeah, let's not do that. that okay we'll be um, back with I also more... have to oh, apologise what, what? okay what, what? I, ha- I have to apologise for yesterday getting Maya Angelou wrong I said um, I hear when Kate Bird sing was Tony Morrison it wasn't it was uh, Maya Angelou sorry everyone I'll read more books and look at Wikipedia less. I think that would be nice. Yes, if you would. Nat, thank you. I think. <laughs>
I think that would be physically impossible, but I'm sure it's very nice. We will be back tomorrow. We will see you yes, then. Yes, see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.